This is Anirudh. Welcome back to the AV Investing Podcast. Here on our third episode today, we are going to interview Mr. Dan Carlson. Mr. Dan is a managing director of Tailwinds Research, a microcap-based equity service. He specializes in finding companies with a market cap of less than $1 billion and has tremendous potential to provide outsized returns. He has a huge following on social media and runs a premium service where he advises his members on his portfolio, position sizing, and trade alerts. His newsletter is available in twresearchgroup.com and is free. The Fremont students are going to learn a lot from his wisdom of investing in the markets. Without further ado, here's Mr. Dan Carlson. Hi, Mr. Dan. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? No, great, thanks. Thanks for having me here. I'm glad I can uh, contribute to your community and hope to hope to impart some something of value to your fellow students. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so as you know, each investor is unique and will have a different experience when it comes to investing. So starting off, would you be able to share your experience and style so far? Sure. So I, I've been, uh, I'm from a family of stockbrokers. So my grandfather was one, my father's one, my wife is actually one, my brother's one. So there's a few of them in the family. Uh, so I've known about investing from, from a young age. Um, I started my investment career while I was in college on working summers on the Boston Stock Exchange and then uh, you know, progressed uh, the, in finance my, my whole career. Um, you know, diff- like you say, there's different people have different styles. I've, I've, always, um, I've always been someone with a very high risk appetite. So some people have a very low risk appetite. I, I think my wife and I are a good team. Um, she's a very low risk appetite and takes care of the bulk of our assets. And, and I, uh, am I, I'm more aggressive um, for better or for worse with, with a smaller portion of them. Um, so, you know, so my, my career, the last 20 years has been focused, as you said, on micro cap companies, uh, generally speaking, you know, less than 300 million in market cap, so even smaller than you, you said earlier. And um, I look to find companies that I think have uh, amazing potential to, to change the world in some way, some, just a, some minor way uh, can reap massive rewards uh, for investors uh, if they're successful. So. That's what I'm looking for is some, something that's uh, exciting to me as a company. And I like to you know, sink, sink in, do, do a lot of homework, a lot of due diligence and get to know, know the investment well. And um, it's, that's, that's really what I focus on personally. But I would suggest as, as I do to the people whose money I manage that, that only a portion, a small portion of your assets should be in, in this space that I play in because it's a much riskier space. And, you should generally um, protect your assets, the bulkier assets and less risky investments. Yeah, you you mentioned that you had some early startings in investment, especially when you were young. And that reminded me uh, in podcast episode one, I interviewed my business teacher, Mr. Eag, and he told me how he read the newspaper with his father and that's how he got into investing. So it seems like you also have a similar experience. But investing is all about trying to make money in the long run. And there are a few ways one can identify great companies. 
I was wondering, what are some of your most successful investments and why do you think they went the way they did? Um, you know, so investing, is, it, it, it is all about finding great companies that you can invest in for the long term. You're absolutely correct. But, but it also uh, is very important that the valuation you're investing at is a good valuation. Um, you know, so, so it's a combination of the two. You have to look for value, but you also have to look for, for opportunity. So, you know, my, my best investments have been ones that uh, are overlooked by the market for one reason or another, or, or disregarded by the market, um, or poo-pooed by the market, you know, that people don't believe in the company. And I find a reason that, that has worked out that where I, I believe in the company. So, so the companies have done very well, but at the same time, you get a, a major uh, increase just on the recognition that, that the company's doing well that when that recognition didn't exist before. So it's kind of a, a double whammy. And that's where the biggest returns come from in, in my space, right? Yeah. And, you know, making mistakes is an essential part of investing. And it's the only way we can learn and grow. And in fact, Warren Buffett once quipped that it is good to learn from your mistakes, but it is better to learn from other people's mistakes. So did you make any mistakes as an investor and what did you learn from them? And did these learnings have an impact on your future investments? Yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, you know, the, the nature of the game when you're investing in micro caps companies, so in the area I'm in is, uh, is that you you want to you want to be right more often than you're wrong? Um, it's that simple. If with the returns potential being multiples of your money, if you if you're right fifty percent of the time, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, so I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. My batting average on a win or lose is probably nothing great, but the overall um, you know my slugging percentage is really good. If if to give you a baseball analogy. Um, you say, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, Warren Buffett says learn from other people's mistakes. I actually, I'm in the camp that what you should try to do is learn from your successes. People don't do that very often. They make a mistake and they go, what did I do wrong? What did I get wrong? And I think about that forever. A lot of people don't look at what they did right and try and learn from that. And that's, that's really, I think, a, a very important thing is you know, figure out where you've done well and where, where you haven't, and then figure out what, on the ones you did well, why you did well, and focus on replicating that as opposed to focus on avoiding the mistakes you've made, especially because you're always going to make mistakes. So it, it's, best to, it's best to try to come up with a formula of success. Right. Um, Actually, going back to the point where you mentioned uh, that you shouldn't really focus on your mistakes, but more on your successes. I think that that's a great point because, you know, lots of times we go back looking at our mistakes, trying to see what we did wrong. But I think we should also go back to our successes to see what we did right. And we should try to replicate that, especially when it comes to investments. And yep. yeah, go ahead. I agree ahead. with you 100% on that. I agree 100%. I think, you know, once again, I, I'm in a part of the market that's a little bit different. Uh, these companies are small. I have access to management teams because, because it's not, um, I'm not investing in Amazon 
where where they have over a million shareholders, right? These companies in some cases have two or 300 shareholders. I can pick up the phone and actually talk to the management team. And, and that, that, that creates a different ability to do due diligence. And one thing I've learned is my biggest success has been, um, I was talking to someone about this earlier today. It, it, two things are important uh, to set the stage for success. One is the quality management team. If the management team is not quality, they, they can screw up a, a great opportunity. Um, and I've seen that happen, right? So you have to have a good management team that, that, that you have confidence in and is trustworthy and honest and, and is aligned with shareholders. Too often, too often management teams are worried more about enriching themselves than enriching the owners of the company and the owners being the shareholders. Um, and then the second thing is you, you need to, and this works a lot in the VC space, it works very well in microcap as well, Look, look at the, who the investors are in a company. Um, and, you know, if, if it's high quality investors that you know are, are committed to staying there long-term and will bring more capital if the company's doing well and can continue to fund a company because, you know, young, young microcap companies, generally speaking, are burning cash and need more money, their development stage. Um, that's important. If the investors are the kind of people that are, that are in it for a trade, well, then you're going to have you're going to have selling coming into the stock. So you have to really know who the who the management team is and who the investors are to set the stage for an opportunity investing in my area. Yeah, I think I think with micro caps, it's a bit easier to perform due diligence than on larger companies, especially since you mentioned how you know many of the shareholders themselves. And I think that's a great reason to invest in microcaps. Um, so moving on, when researching your company Tailwinds Research, I noticed that you mainly invest in biotech. Since this sector is very high risk, often because of binary outcomes, why did you choose to invest in it? And is there any interesting biotech idea you want to highlight? So, so um, it's kind of a, a, a misconception, actually, that I invest in, in primarily in biotech. I would, I would say I invest in healthcare and technology, primarily. Um, healthcare is a, a big, broader swath than just biotech. Um, I do have, a, a full, uh, I think, three biotech holdings that I'm invested in right now. Um, and then some other companies that are not biotech sort of get... Um, associated with biotech um, for some reason. <laughs> I think investors are, are misrepresenting them. For instance, like TFF Pharmaceuticals is a company that, that deals with biotech companies as partners and they take their drugs and they, they convert them to an inhaled version. That um, So they're, they're a drug delivery company. They're not a biotech company, but they're working on biotech products. And a lot of people, the stock moves with the biotech index, but at the end of the day, there's, there's no binary outcome for them uh, necessarily. Um, but uh, so really what, what, drives, what drives my portfolio is, is what I can get excited in. Um, you know, when I hear a story, if, I, if, if it makes sense to me and, I, and I'm excited, um, then, I, then I'll look at investing in it. And I, I have um, going back to you know where you've done well and where you haven't. I've I've historically done poorly in commodity stocks. The cyclical nature of these 
um, I've found that even when I have a good company, if the commodity market rolls against you, you're going to lose. And I would prefer to, if I find a good company, not be at the whim of a commodity market at the end of the day. So I've avoided that group. Um, cyclical companies are, you can make some money in them. There's no doubt. And same thing with, with financials. Um, investors have done well with them over time, but, but for me, I just don't get excited. I I'm looking for opportunities that I believe can generate, um, substantially outsized returns and, and you're not you're just not not likely to find that in those other areas so that's why i focus on the growth areas of healthcare and, and technology um if in terms of highlighting you know one company um you know i do like these platform plays so i, I really try to avoid when you look at biotech a company that has like a different version of a cancer drug um, I have no ability, and, and nobody does in my opinion, really, to, to see if, that, if the chemistry behind that is gonna work and if, if, if this is going to be a, a success or not. It's really a crapshoot, it's very binary. But it, there's potential for platform plays, and that's really where I, I like to, to focus on companies that, that have a technology that if it works, has much broader implications than just the one product that they're working on. Um, and so I go back again, I'll, I'll mention TFF Pharmaceuticals again. They have a process to take drugs that are non-water soluble, which 40% of the drugs that are actively sold in the world today qualify as non-water soluble. And that means that gen generally speaking, those drugs need to either be swallowed or injected for you to take them um, or an IV. Uh, they can make that into a powderized version that can be inhaled directly to the lungs. The lungs are a much better delivery method to get the drug into your body than going through the bloodstream um, or going, you know, going through an injection or through the, or def definitely then through the gastro system, through your mouth and the stomach. So by, by getting into your body through the lungs, they can provide less drug, which means it's safer and, and yet be more, more efficacious at the same time which also reduces side effects. So the drug cost goes down, the side effects goes down. Um, it, it's kind of a win-win. So they are currently talking to 10 of the 20 largest uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world when you look at by revenue basis. So Merck, uh, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, et cetera. 10 of the top 20 are considering partnering with them. It's a platform play, it's still, Kind of unproven at this point they're not in any products that are being sold but if it's successful the opportunity is massive and that's that's kind of like what like what i like to look for and and i say it's not as binary as as one thinks so hey and i think investing in biotech and the healthcare sector in general is great because it's also impact investing where you're trying to make an impact as well, um, as well as trying to make a profit. And I think that um, kind of killing two birds with one stone. Um, but yeah. So I agree. I agree. That's one of the things I like about what I'm doing is if the companies that I'm investing in are successful, they are going to, as I mentioned, help change the world. Um, and they need more investors. So by, by working with these companies and bringing capital to them, I'm helping them along that path. So I'm helping them be successful as opposed to if you bought stock in 
IBM today, you're not helping anyone besides yourself if it goes up, you know? Right. So that's why I prefer this. Another reason. <laughs> and books and resources are really crucial for avid investors to keep expanding their knowledge. And in fact, books are one of the reasons I got into investing in the first place. And I recently finished reading The Little Book of Valuation by Ashwat Damodaran. And for beginners like myself who are interested in investments, what are some books or resources you would suggest? So I've got um, three, three books that uh, I've read that I think are, um, two are well-known and, and one less well-known that I think are crucial um, for me uh, in my development and, and I'd highly recommend them. So the first is, a, it's a little tiny book. It was published probably about 80 years ago now. Um, it's called Reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Edwin Lefebvre. Um, and it's just, a, it's just it, it's, it's basically about Jesse Livermore who was a very famous investor that, that made and lost fortunes multiple times in the market. Um, and it just talks about, it talks about how the markets work and um, it's a great read. It's a lot of fun. Your class would love it. And it's, it's very, it's very educational at the same time. It, it's a good way of just sort of understanding what's going on uh, in the, in, in the stock market. Um, the next one would be Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. Um, that is a, a book that, that came out about 25 years ago is very popular. Basically he, he went out and found some of the most renowned investors out there and interviewed them and each chapter is an interview with a different trader. So you, you learn about commodities markets and about futures markets, stocks, bonds, et cetera. But you also are getting insights from the best minds ever to invest at that time. Some people have come along with sense who are pretty darn good too. But at that time, he got great access to some really big names and it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting read. Um, and then my, my, my personal favorite book is called A Demon of Our Own Design by Richard Bookstaver. And Richard was the head of risk management at Solomon Brothers, which doesn't exist anymore, but was a very big, powerful trading firm back in the day. Then he went to Citigroup and was I think number two in the risk management group there. And he writes about how, and I find this to be very pertinent and, and it will be pertinent forever, I think, but how bubbles are caused and then what causes them to implode. And, and it, it's, it's a really telling book that, um, that I think you know, keeps you grounded as you, as you see the stock market going up or the housing market going up or something like that. Um, it's a, it's just a, it's just a great book that that explains to you what's going on and and make sure that you you're positioning yourself because these bull markets do end, uh, they always do, and so it's it's really important to keep that in mind. Yeah, I'll definitely check out these books after the podcast. I think the book on Jesse Livermore sounded very interesting to me, and I'll definitely check that out. Um, but moving on, someone your age, that's, that's a great book to, to read. I would highly recommend Right. That. And advice is extremely important to novices and it can help in many different aspects, including pointing out common mistakes. 
So as a successful investor, what advice do you have for our Fremont High School students? And where exactly do you want them to focus so that they too can become like you one day? Yeah, I, I would say that the, the most important thing to realize is that capital, meaning money, is very hard to come by and very easy to lose. So when you approach investing, I'm in a high risk industry to say the least, you, you, you need to make sure that, that you are protective of your capital and don't just, um, just don't throw it around willy nilly. Um, like I said, it's very tough to earn money and it's very easy, very easy to lose it. And when, when you're buying a stock, someone's selling it. Um, there's always another side to the trade. It's, it's never as easy as you pick a, you pick a stock and it goes up. Uh, someone's selling it for the same reason you're, for the exact opposite reason you're buying it. They think it's probably done going up and maybe going down. Um, so that's it. I would, I would suggest that you be very protective of your capital. And, and you know, the same thing with uh, leverage um, and borrowing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a, a hole you can sink down. I mean, I think the, if you can get by without borrowing money, um, you're doing much better off and you're positioning yourself for success. So, you know, save what you can, be protective of it and, uh, and think long-term. I, I actually like the point you made about uh, how it's really hard to build capital and it's also really easy to lose it. I think that reminded me of uh, an analogy. So it takes months to build a building, but you can demolish it in a few seconds. And I think that it's really important to make sure you're safe and uh, make sure that your capital is in a good place. Yes. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting what happened uh, about three months ago. I'm, I'm spacing on the name of that fund, but if you recall, there was a a major fund that um, got over leveraged and um, that guy built billions of dollars in capital. And then in the course of uh, two weeks, he's bankrupt. <laughs> so, um, you know, like you say, if, if, you're, if you're not monitoring the risk of the situation, it, it could be gone in an instant. Right. Thank you so much, Mr. Dan, for giving me this opportunity and taking up this interview. It was great interacting with you. Your insight and personal experience was very informative, and I learned a lot from this experience. If you haven't already, check out my previous podcast episodes. I will see you all in the next episode on the AV Investing Podcast.